You know, tomorrow is the celebration of Memorial Day. It's set apart to remember, to honor the sacrifice of those who gave their all. All gave some and some gave all. For our country, and originally this day was called Decoration Day. It was started in the mid-1800s for the Civil War. And they would decorate the graves of the fallen soldiers, both Confederate and Union, each year. And as time went on, more wars began to happen. And they realized that they should include all wars and all those who fought in any war for the safety for this country. It began to be called Memorial Day and officially was changed in 1967 to Memorial Day. We should never forget. And that's why we do this every year. We should never forget the millions of brave men and women who fought for this country. We should never forget those of them who didn't just risk their lives, they gave their lives. We should never forget the reasons we've gone to war, the lessons learned so as not to repeat them again. We should never forget the individual stories of heroism and sacrifice and service. We should never forget the reason behind what these men, these women have fought for. They fought for freedom. Not just freedom to do what we want to, which is where this country is coming to more and more, and it's a sad place. This country isn't founded on to be a place that we can just do whatever we want. But freedom from tyranny, freedom to serve God freely, unencumbered. Freedom to do what's right without having to be told to do it. That's what this country was founded on, and that's what you need to remember even this Memorial Day. That's what men and women have fought for, those ideals. The freedom to do what's right even without having to be told to do it. This morning we're picking up on a message that we started last week in the book of Colossians. And we had been traveling in the book of uh, chapter 2. Last week we talked about three warnings and two Three points, but we only got to two of them. Last week, as we read through the book of Colossians, we learned that we should let no one judge you, let no one cheat you, and let no one enslave you. And the three points that we talked about only getting, getting to two of them were the basis for our freedom was the first one, the bondage of legalism. The third one was the blessing of grace. And I wanted to be true and faithful. I said we'd talk about that this week. And we'll do that very briefly this morning. I've got a lot of pages of notes, and we're just going to hit some of them. It's been a good morning. Father, we thank you for those who've sacrificed their lives for this country. Lord, we thank you for those who sacrificed their life for you. Lord, I pray that each of us, though we're, maybe none of us are in the military, maybe just a few have even served. Father, we are in your service. God, we desire to give our lives to you. Now bless this message this morning. Help us to see what you've done for us. God, to see what was awaiting those soldiers who knew you, their Savior, what was awaiting them when they risked and they gave their life for you. Father, we do pray for families of the fallen who are still alive and left behind. Comfort them. This day, this weekend, as so many of us may just go on a boat or have a barbecue, others are 
are grieving the loss of a son or husband or daughter or wife. We thank you for people's willingness to serve our country and ask that you would help us to be willing to serve our God even more and more than we do now in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we're going to pick up briefly about grace and the blessings of grace. And that is the bedrock, that is the foundation of Christianity is God's grace. Amazing grace. There was 131 instances of the word grace when I did a concordance search. 123 of them are found in the New Testament. The Old Testament is so important to us. It showed us the holiness of God and the absolute depravity of man. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law and helped us to enter into a new time, and that time was grace. God wants us to walk in grace. And there's so many blessings to that grace. Last week, if you weren't here, you want to get the message. It's so important to go back and listen about the legalism, about the law, and to not walk in that. But this morning, we want to talk about that word grace. And for many of us, we think of different uses, different pictures when we hear the word grace. Ballet requires much grace. Sometimes royalty is referred to as your grace. Grace is the name of the prayer you pray at supper time. Grace is the name of a very pretty little girl in our congregation who turned three in February. Grace is also the name of a very big dog, a great Dane in our, in our congregation. And I'm not sure if her name fits this category of gracefulness or not. She's a horse. Uh, one definition of grace that's been given, and it's really, it's, it's an acronym. And it's, somebody said it stands for God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. I think we're getting closer. It get, begins to give us a better definition of what grace is. Another thing that we've heard even this morning is grace is God's unmerited favor. In, in the Greek, the word grace it means favor. It's closely related to the word gift and can be translated as a gift. Just those two say that you cannot earn grace. Grace is given. It's freely given. It's nothing we can do to deserve it or to earn it. It's all done on God's terms, and I'm thankful for that. This year we've talked a number of times about grace that it's by grace that we're saved. It's by grace that we're kept in Him, that we can't earn our salvation. We can't do anything to please God. We just have to rely on grace. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to give us grace. We want to talk about the blessings this morning. So I'm going to ask for some help with this verse. Finish the words, if you know them, one word at a time. For it is by that you have been saved. There it is. Very good class. Ephesians 2.8. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It's not by works. It's not by anything we can conjure up. It's by grace. And it's God's grace for us that we've been saved. That's the, the bless, one of the blessings of grace. Salvation is absolutely of grace. You cannot do anything, have not done anything, to earn your salvation. It is by grace. 
how great that saving grace is in my life and in your life. You didn't deserve it. Many of you, many of us deserved absolutely the opposite of being saved by grace. I want to say a couple of other things, though. Before that saving grace, I'm going to give you another scripture. In Acts 18.27, it's talking about Apollos. And it says simply that he, Apollos, was a great help to those who by grace had believed. We all know that it's by grace that you're saved, but did you catch that here in Acts 18? That it was by grace that you believed. So it wasn't just grace that saved us. It's God's grace that you ever even believed in the first point to be saved. You didn't do this on your own. If it wasn't for God's grace, you could have never even believed on Him to become saved. That's amazing. I found that scripture and went, wow. But I want us to glean in on something. There's a debate in the, the difference between predestination and free will. Now, what I want us to get, get here real quick, briefly, is that free will, some of us lean on the side of free will so much that we think it was us who got us saved. Well, you know, I was looking for Jesus. I didn't know Jesus was lost. I remember in, in, in the movie Saving Private Ryan, the captain says, Forrest, have you found Jesus? He says, well, Sarge, I didn't know he was lost. You didn't find God. You didn't find Jesus. God found you. And in that point, he predestined you. He looked for you. He wanted you. There is nothing in us that wanted God. We were absolutely incorrigible. And God looked for us. So this morning, the first thing is, if you're the one who says, you know, I found God, and you really think that you found Him, let that be a shaking and say, you know what, thank God, He looked for me because there was nothing in me that was going to find Him. John fifteen sixteen says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So it was grace, God's favor toward us, that ever called us originally, that allowed us to believe, that caused us to be saved. Grace, not law, not works, not legalism. All this is God's gift, His favor toward us. His favor that could only be given to us because of Christ's sacrifice. It's a blessing of grace that we could believe, that we could be saved. Let's go to Romans 3, 20. No, we're going to go to 3.24. But we're going to start at verse 20. Romans 3.20. We have our favorite verses we know and we pick them out. But we're going to read Romans chapter 3, verse 20 through 24. Actually, for time, we're just going to read 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that scripture. We quote and we, we, we rely on that scripture. But what does 24 say? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we were justified through grace. Let's back up a moment. We believed by grace. We were saved by grace. We are justified by grace. Now, Justification. What is that big word? What does that really mean? Something that helps me understand a little bit of what justified means is simply this. When you are justified, when I am justified, it's just if I'd never sinned. 
Justified never sinned. It means that we were declared righteous in God's sight. Through grace, you believed. Through grace, you were saved. Through grace, you are justified, declared righteous. Now, I want to admit something. I had an amazing revelation when I read this that I've heard it, but it hit me once again. You were not declared not guilty. That's not what happened. We're familiar with that term. You go to court and you put in your plea, guilty, not guilty. How many of you have ever gone to court and says, but I don't want those. I want innocent, right? Is there an innocent? No, no, it's guilty or not guilty. At the end of the trial, they declare you guilty or not guilty. We all know that some not guilty people are guilty. They don't have to serve their, their time because they were declared not guilty. This is not what justification is. Justification is being in front of the judge and having him say, innocent. But you're not. You're not innocent. I'm not innocent. I did the crime. I'm guilty. And I stand before the judge. And I know that I deserve the punishment. And the judge looks at me and says, innocent. That guilt was not just wiped so I can't see it. It was removed. Justification means that you are declared righteous by grace through Christ in His sacrifice, His redemption. His, your sin, my sin, is removed from you and was put onto Christ and He paid the price. You are not not guilty. You have been declared righteous, innocent by grace. Right there, we should all just fall on our face and begin to cry. Because you know what you've done. And I know what I've done. And I don't deserve to be declared innocent. And my punishment put upon my Jesus. But that's what happened. We were no good, cigarette-sucking sinners. Liars, cheaters, adulterers, fornicators, gossips, full of debauchery, hatred, angry. And God declared you righteous. The blessings of grace are so immense. How could we ever go back into the law and say, let me, now that I've received this, I'm going to work for it. By no means. His grace has helped us to believe. It's enabled us to believe. It's caused us to be saved. It's caused us to be justified. There are 131 uses, like I said, of the word grace in the New Testament. Many of the scriptures do talk about the God of grace and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But of those other scriptures... There is more to grace than I understand. It's not just to help me believe. It wasn't just to cause me to be saved. It wasn't just to make me justified. On top of that, God gives us grace each and every day that I can't even understand nor explain to you. I read the scriptures. I don't even understand His grace. It's the blessing of His presence. It's the, it's the things. I'm going to just read a few scriptures. 
Romans 1.5 says that we receive grace to call people to obedience, to come, through, to, come to faith. So there's a grace that, that lands upon us so that we can actually minister and share our faith with others. Romans 12.6 says that we have different gifts according to the grace given us. So there's another avenue of grace that, that is on each of us that allows different gifts to come, but it's by His grace that we have those gifts. Every single letter that Paul wrote, every single one of them, he wrote this greeting, grace and peace to you. He wrote these to the saved who were already believers, who were already saved, and who were already justified. What more grace was there? There's more. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't deserve it, but I need to receive it. God wants to lavish His grace upon us. And I go, the blessings of grace. There's something more that God wants us to even receive and walk in in grace by faith. Are we open to that? Or are we going to keep working, working our way? Oh, I got to do something for Jesus. I believe that God gives us grace to go through trials. God gives us grace to be in certain circumstances. When we were on the mission field, we, led a lot, we met a lot of missionaries that were coming to the mission field. Their first stop was Antigua, Guatemala, where Brian is. And they went there to learn the language. Some of those had never once set foot out of the country. They sold all their possessions without ever going to a foreign country and they thought that they should become missionaries. There was a, f a few of the families that we met them and within a week we knew that they did not have the grace to be on the mission field. You don't ever want to be in a situation without the grace to be in that situation. God gives you the grace if you'll receive it. But if you don't have the grace, then you don't get into that situation. One of those missionary couples ended in divorce. Destroyed marriage and family. Some went home just, just destroyed. But God gives us grace to be in certain circumstances. If you're in one of these circumstances right now, says, I don't know if I have grace of God. Give me the grace to be here or give me the way out. Don't be in places that God has not given you grace to be in. If you're married, you have the grace to be married. God will give you the grace to be married. Some people say, well, you know, I just don't have the grace for this one. It's not what I'm talking about. God gives you sometimes the grace to speak the truth to people. And God gives us the grace to receive correction, instruction, and rebuke. Let's go to Titus. Titus chapter 2. 2.11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men verse 12 teaching us teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age the grace of God has appeared and it teaches us the grace of God comes to teach you how to live in this world that we live in we should never try to earn God's grace but when you receive it, it should change the way you live. You should never try to earn God's grace. But when you receive it, it should change the way you do live. Understanding. 
a, a picture, but it's more than this, is in the, in the book, The Count of Monte Cristo. When he spared, he got in the knife fight with, forgetting the, the name now, but if you've read or seen the movie, and he spared his life, and so the other man, the other pirate, gave him a life debt. And he became his servant forever. You know, he could have left at any time. There was nothing holding him there. But he just said, I'm going to serve you. Now, he did it because he felt he had to pay back the life debt. That's not it. But that saving life that says, I'm going to serve you. I know I don't have to. You're not making me. But I'm going to serve you is grace. That's living because we've received grace. How do we receive that grace? God gives it. We have to receive it. Proverbs, so I'm going to read some scriptures. These will be online. I'm going to go quickly if you want to make notes. These will also be online. Proverbs 34 says, He mocks proud mockers, but He gives grace to the humble. James 4 says, He gives us more grace. That's why the scripture said, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. First Peter, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Second Timothy, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. He gives it. We have to receive it. We have to be humble. And that's something real difficult to do, is to be humble. In fact, you can't be humble without grace. There's kind of a paradox going on here. You've got to receive some grace to even be humble, but as you humble yourself, and that's allowing God to become more and more the ruler of your life, you're able to receive and walk in more and more grace. The more you try it on your own, the less and less grace you get to walk in. You can be a believer and saved and justified and miss out on all the other blessings of grace that Paul prayed for every one of his churches. Peter gave the same thing, grace to you. There's a blessing of grace as we humble ourselves and say, God, I can't do anything in myself that's earned my salvation or that gets me to heaven or that pleases you because in and of myself I am guilty, but you declared me righteous. Live in and through me. I submit to you. Humble yourself before God. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Second Peter says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As you know the character and the nature of God more. It just knowing Him allows you to line your life up with the way He desires and the grace just comes. We need grace in these times. We need grace in the, in the times that are coming to us and the times that we're in now. We can't live this and should not dare try to live this life without the grace of God. It's so important for us each in here to know you can be saved and on your way to heaven, but lacking out 
on the grace to live this life in victory, to live this life in the promises that God has. He wants to bless us, not necessarily with cars and houses, but with His presence, with His knowledge of Himself, with a clear view of what heaven is. Jesus Himself said, for the joy set before Him endured the cross. He wants us to live in grace in Him. Don't go back to legalism. Don't go back to trying to obey the law. Each day say, God, I thank you for your grace. Help me to live in you because I can't do it on my own. Each and every step has to be in Him. God never breaks His His promises and He's promised to give grace to the humble. So have you been humble all the time? I certainly haven't. But we should be humble now, this morning, to receive His grace. Through God's great love, His kindness, He gave us His only Son, Jesus, who was full of grace. He washed our feet. He washed our sins. He brought us Belief, salvation, redemption, justification, eternal life we've already entered into. We're already living eternally. We will never die. Christ humbled himself for us. He became a man. He dwelt on this earth. And he went to the cross for our sin so that he could deliver the grace of God to us through Him. It's not ours, it's His that He gives us through the sacrifice of Christ. And I believe we can access that grace if we humble ourselves, receive His forgiveness, understand that our sin had been put away. It's already done. We don't, we don't have to put them away. It's done in Christ. And grow in that faith looking into Jesus. There's so many more blessings to grace. Let's be humble and receive them from Him and let Him do the miracle in our life. Let's pray. God, sometimes I come to You and I pray a professional prayer. God, I didn't deserve Your righteousness. My actions don't deserve it today. I should have stood before the judge and been declared guilty. God, you know that I tried in the past even to maybe get the verdict to be just not guilty. Time off for good behavior. But you declared me righteous by grace. And I didn't deserve it. I pray for each and every one of us in this room that that understanding would grow and cause us to run to you more quickly, to humble ourselves more readily, to receive your grace because we can't do it on our own. In you, our lives then 
by your grace, will shine as an example to others. And we'll have the ability to walk in you. Thank you, God, for bringing us together this day. For all of your blessings, your benefits, for your grace. Watch over us. Draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen.